0: What is that strange sound I just heard? There was some, uh, there was some applause and some amens and wonderful, wonderful song, powerful song, amen. Well, you know, this is something we haven't been able to do for the last several weeks, it seems like, and that's to be able to greet those of you who've been able to come and be a part of our 11 o'clock worship service this morning. See about half of you out there, you know, but that's good enough, that's good enough. And to all of the rest of you who are part of our Alamo City streaming family this morning, we greet you in the name that is above every other name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to uh, take some steps again this morning in the direction of this theme, Unleashing the Might of Heaven. Would you just say that out loud with me, those of you here, maybe wherever you are, Unleashing the Might of Heaven. By way of... The power of agreement, the power of agreement. The Lord does not just randomly display his power. He doesn't have to show off. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. He he is all he is, all by himself, and no need of anything, no lack of anything. So, whenever he displays his power, whenever he does something that can be explained in no no other way than that God did it, it is because he has a purpose in mind. His power will always be consistent with his purpose. And if you and I on this earth are going to be the recipients of his power, to deliver, to rescue, to provide in so many different ways throughout the years of our lives, then it stands to reason that if we're going to need his power, we're going to need to know his purpose, his purpose. That's where the shepherd speaking to the sheep comes in. My sheep Jesus said, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow me because they have heard my voice, and my voice to their hearts has given them a sense of what I want them to do. Unleashing the might of heaven through the power of agreement. It all centers around the Lord speaking to us, the Lord letting us know enough of what his purpose is for us to be able to understand it. We may not get all of the ramifications, but enough of what he's wanting to do that we can on this earth agree, agree, agree with him. Last week I read you the story of one of our ladies in one of our Facebook prayer groups, and she told about she told about having struggled for a good while um, with her employment, unemployment checks coming in. And she had a hard time getting through to the agency and their line was busy and so forth. And then when she would get through, they'd want way more information than she could provide. So it was about six weeks went by. I just, I'm not gonna give her name as you know, we'll protect all of that, but this is just such a great story. And that was last week, but then there was another addition to the story that I'm gonna read you off my phone if I can read it this morning um, without my glasses. and. she what she did, she went and just felt like the Lord was put joy in her heart and trust in her heart that, that she was going to honor the principle of giving the tithe, the first 10%, even though she had been laid off or suspended from her job. And so but anyway, she just went ahead and did her math. And she said that when when she when when she sent the tithe check, Within just a very short period of time, like just maybe a couple of hours or so, she got notice that her, her unemployment check had come in. Okay, so that, that, was, that was last week. Well, this week she sends this. God continues to amaze me. I, I won't mention any names, but I will say it's a prayer warrior from this Facebook group. Last week, I wrote about my blessing with my unemployment being approved after six weeks of being on hold, and it happened right after I gave my tithe. Today, this is this last week, I got an envelope in the mail, and it had a check from this angel for the exact amount of my tithe. Wow, she said, I got chills. I sent her a message thanking her, but telling her I was okay and wanted to send the check back. She responded by saying, that's what God told her to do. And she could not take the check back, but said, give it to somebody who needed it. I closed my eyes and my parents popped into my head. I went straight over there to give it to them. I've not seen my parents because of the stay-at-home order, but I needed to give them the money. My mother said to me, it was such a blessing, they didn't even have a dollar left. I've been praying to hear God's voice, and he is talking to me through the people in this group. I know this blessing was intended for them, for her parents. I know the blessing was intended for them. It came through an angel. You know who you are, and I'm so grateful that God placed you in my life. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, last week I mentioned three specific parts of this matter of agreement, of being in agreement with the Lord. I want to hit them briefly one more time so we can use that as a foundation for moving to the rest of what we're talking about this morning. Point number one in this matter of the power of agreement is this it is believing that Jesus can speak to you and that you have the ability to hear him. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Believing that Jesus will let me know enough of what it is that he's wanting to do, that I can get it, that I can understand it, and that I can act on it. That's the first part. The reason that that needs to be said is because there can just be a lot of us who have maybe known the Lord for a long time, but we don't believe really practically that Jesus still speaks. We think that everything that God's going to say, He said in the Bible. Can you imagine? Just think about that a minute. He's infinite. There are no limits to his intelligence. There are no limits to anything about him. How can we think that there would be any object that would be big enough to contain him? The word of God that you have in your lap, the Bible that you have, is absolutely true. Every word of it is true. We can count on it. We can rely upon it. Principles the Lord has given us to live our lives by, but for us to think That the only things that the Lord is going to say, he's going to say just in the pages of Scripture. That limits him. When Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, the New Testament hadn't been written. Paul hadn't come along yet. Timothy hadn't written 1 and 2 Timothy. John hadn't recorded Revelation for us. But Jesus said, I'm talking to my sheep. When my sheep need their shepherd to lead them, my sheep are going to hear my voice. And he used that word for hear that means to hear with the ear of the mind. Not just hearing random sound, but hearing and understanding. Hearing and it makes sense. Hearing and I get it. Believing. I, I, you know, and, and I, that, that I say this a lot, but I just need to say it again don't, 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 don't assume that Jesus is only going to be found in the church building <laughs> in the sheet rock and in the, in the steel and the, and even the religious architecture of church buildings. We figured that out over these last, this last little bit, that if you got to find Jesus in the church and you can't get to the church, you're in a world of hurt. Amen. <laughs> Cause we couldn't get to the church, but guess what? Guess what? In your bedroom, in your living room, in your pickup truck, out under the tree in your backyard, you've had the sense of the Lord's presence right where you are. The shepherd knows where his sheep are. And he knows what they're going through. And he knows what they need to hear. And he knows how to speak to us in a way that we can understand and we can hear. We we, we need to hold on. If we're going to be in agreement with him in order for for heaven's might to be released, then we've got to believe that he'll talk to me, that he'll speak to me. It may be through his scripture. It may be through an impression that is just strong in my heart. It may be through somebody else that comes to me with a sense that that there's, there's a word that they need to pass on. It could be through many different ways, but the Lord will speak to his sheep. That's the first part, believing that Jesus can speak and that I can hear when he speaks. The second one is embracing, embracing what he has, is convincing me is true, convincing me that he has said. Romans ten seventeen: faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes, there's a connection here. It's a, it's a formula, if you will. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the word of Christ. So if you're going to get faith in your heart, you're going to have to have Jesus saying something to you. And the word faith comes from that verb that means to persuade, to persuade. Faith in the Bible, the word for faith in the Bible, is not just a word about hope or about wishing or about wanting something. It means that there is something that you have been convinced is true and is what God wants. You you have been persuaded. It's the faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The Lord speaks something. The Lord impresses something upon a heart. The Lord takes a page off the Scripture, a verse off the Scripture. It gets, it, it gets pressed into our hearts. And the result of that is we are persuaded that it's true. It doesn't matter if anybody else believes it. It doesn't matter if the circumstances aren't lining up. It doesn't matter if time passes. It doesn't matter because Jesus has spoken something to your heart. You've heard it, and the result is you're persuaded that it's true. That's why you're going to hear some things as a, as a child of the Lord that other Christians may not hear. And you get to try and explain what you feel like the Lord has put on your heart. And they look back at you like that calf looking at that new gate. They don't know who you are or what you're talking about. But you know in your knower. You are persuaded in your knower that the Lord has put that in your heart. And one of the ways we know that it's the Lord putting that in our hearts is because it will make no natural sense. It won't be able to be accomplished just by the physical means at our disposal. It will be something that unless God does it, it's not going to happen. Embracing that. Number one, believing that Jesus will speak to you and that you can hear. Number two, embracing embracing what it is that he's put within your heart to believe and convinced you to believe. And then the third part of that is acting on it, acting on it. He's spoken. I embrace it. And if it's something I'm supposed to say, or it's something I'm supposed to do, I'm all in. Okay. The power of agreement, the power of agreement. Now I want you to go with me back to the Old Testament. And I want us to look at a, at a passage in 2 Samuel, the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 5, and I want to read this to you again. I, I, I just, one more time, I just got to say, sometimes we get to thinking that all Jesus is, 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 a, is a church house entity. That the only thing, only time you can ever really expect to encounter Jesus is if you've got your Bible open or there's praise music going in the background or somebody is, is preaching or somebody's teaching. Thank the Lord that he, he can manifest himself in those places. But, but I want to tell you what, what is, what, what's so exciting is to realize that, that, that he, he understands business people's challenges. He understands folks who have ones that they are responsible for and, and, and that they have to give an answer to, an explanation to. He is a real-time Jesus. He is a real-world Jesus. He, he real Jesus. Wherever you are, what, what, whatever you need to hear the Lord say something to you about, whether it is in the church or whether it is in your office or whether it is a family setting, it's secular or spiritual, it doesn't matter. If it matters to you, it matters to him. And he has the ability to speak to you what you need to know when you need to know it. Our problem is Sometimes we just assume that the Lord isn't interested or we couldn't, we couldn't connect with him to help us or we're supposed to figure this out on our own or it's Thursday and not Sunday and Sunday's the only time that I really can expect to sense his presence. Oh, my goodness. Listen to this now. This, this is out of, out of David's life. and, and um, 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 17. When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David. Why? Because they wanted to congratulate him. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. Now, have you got anybody that, 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 that every time your name comes up, you, you just think they, they, they want to throw a wall-eyed fit? Just right, there, whatever you're named. They're so mad at you every time. And, and opposition and, and conflict comes from that direction back your way. That's the Philistines with their attitude toward, toward David. Verse 19. Then, then David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? David is a military commander. There is nothing spiritual about this in the sense of a copy of the Torah, in the sense of uh, the tabernacle or the Holy of Holies being somewhere close. It's a field of battle. It, It is a conflict, a life and death conflict. It's about the command of troops. It's about the defense of a nation. Nobody's singing songs. Nobody's thumbing through the scripture. It's real world, real time. And here's what the real commander does. He says, God, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? My brother, my sister, real time, real world. You have permission from this example in David's life, and and there are many more of them throughout scripture, Whenever you are up against it, whenever folks are arrayed against you, you have permission. You are invited. In fact, you are encouraged to go to your Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? It, it, it wasn't, again, a spiritual decision. This was a battle decision, which had spiritual roots because David understood. God, this had dropped 18 inches that it's the spiritual that controls the natural. It's the invisible that ultimately rules over the visible. And his eyes, his heart were anchored upon the Lord, the the King of all creation, the Lord of glory. He gets that even though he's got Philistines with real arrows and real swords and real ramparts headed at him, but his eyes are lifted up this way, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do I attack? It doesn't say, do I have? Do I hold a prayer meeting? Do, do, I, do I sit and sing praise songs in a circle? Kumbaya, kumbaya. No. Do you want me to shoot arrows? Do you want me to draw swords? Do you want me to assault? Do you want me to attack? And if I do, will you, will you deliver us? Will you fight for us? So here again, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into our hand? And the Lord said to David, The Lord said something. David asked specific questions in the realm of his responsibility, and the Lord gave him specific answers. Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. So David came to Baal-Perazim and defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies, Before me, like the breakthrough of waters. And he named that place Baal-perazim. In other words, he gave the Lord the name, the master of the breakthroughs. The master of the breakthrough. The, the, The breakthrough that the Lord brought about came as a result of David being in agreement with the Lord's heart. The Lord spoke to David what his purpose was David heard it, embraced it, and acted upon it. And as a result, the victory came and the battle was won. That battle. But the Philistines weren't done. Look down at verse 22. Now the Philistines came came up once again and spread themselves out in the valley of, of Rephaim. You know, have you ever had anybody like that? They, they get whipped soundly. They get convinced, you know, they get pushed back soundly. But lo and behold, a week or two passes, a month or two passes, and here it comes again. <laughs> Here's the opposition again. Here's the conflict again. Philistines just hadn't had enough. They came after him again. Look at verse 23. And when David inquired of the Lord, he did the same thing this time that he had done previously, the first round. He inquired of the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? Every businessman, every businesswoman, every person in a place of responsibility who knows the Lord. Here's our example. Lord, what do you want me to do? The Bible study group may be dispersed and you're not, you don't have any prayer partners any around, but the Lord hadn't left you. You're not an orphan. Jesus would say, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Well, an orphan is a fatherless child, a parentless child. An orphan is someone who cannot hear the sound of his or her parent speaking to them. Jesus is saying, I won't leave you as orphans. In other words, I'll come to you, but another part of that is that to be understood, I'll speak to you as a parent would speak to a child. I'll guide you, I'll lead you, I'll coach you, I'll instruct you, I'll warn you, I'll correct you. I'll speak to you, amen. You're not an orphan, sometimes in business maybe. You can get to thinking, I'm an orphan. I I got good brothers over here, sisters over here that know the Lord and they pray for me. But man, I'm out here on my own. I'm out here on a sea, a sea of secularism. No, you're not. You're not alone. The Lord has said, I won't leave you as an orphan. Where you are, I know. Where you are, I'll be. What you need, I'll convey to you what my instructions are what the deliverance is in order for you to be walking into the in the place of my provision and blessing and protection i will cause you to know just ask me inquire of the lord Inqu- the, the, the point here folks all the way through this is we need to get in the habit we need to get in the habit of all of the things in the various categories of our lives that are of a concern to us, that worry us, that frighten us, that confuse us, that are bigger than we are. And instead of trying to stuff all of those into some earthly backpack and walk through our lives carrying that stuff, instead of loading it up on ourselves, Jesus has said the instruction is you cast all your burdens upon him because he cares for you. But there's a part there that has to do with us. We're making the choice. Lord, I give this to you. Another way to put that is, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do in that personnel issue that I've got working in the morning and I'm not sure exactly how to answer the question or what questions I'm going to be asked or, or what liability we're going to face, etc., etc. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? Here's, here's the deal, folks. If we develop the habit of inquiring of the Lord on all of the things that matter to us and even the things that may be minor issues, but especially the things that have been, Lord, what do you want me to do? You're going to, your hat is going to be blown in the creek. Your your socks inside your boots, brothers, are going to roll up and down because it's going to dawn on you one day when you ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? He's going to tell you what he wants you to do. And he'll get it to you in a way that you're going to know in your knower. And you'll be unshakable in your conviction. You will be persuaded that this is what the Lord would have me to do. Male or female, younger or older. His sheep will hear his voice. So, so let me, let me get back to the text. I just, they got to get back to the Bible, right? Let's let's look at this. Keep keep going with this. The Philistines came up once again, spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. When David inquired of the Lord, verse 23, the Lord said, "You shall not go directly up, like you did last time. Circle around behind them, and come at them." in front of the balsam trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then you shall act promptly, for then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. Then David did so, just as the Lord had commanded and struck down the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. David did so just as the Lord had commanded him. David wouldn't have known what the Lord had commanded unless the Lord had spoken to David. All right? Somebody say, well, that's David. That's David. That's, you know, good for David. But I'm me, and, and this is my situation, and, and I'm, I'm up to my armpits in deep weeds, and I don't know what to do. That was David, but what about me? Well, in case you're thinking, well, that was just, oh, you know, they, that, that was David, the special category of super saints, Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Now this may not mean a whole lot to all of you, but I I hope those of you who are students of the scripture and can appreciate the distinction between the old covenant which David was in and Abraham and Jeremiah and Isaiah and all that they were in, that is distinct from the covenant of grace. The covenant of law is distinct from, different from the covenant of grace which you and I are in. Law, there were restrictions, and you, 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 you follow the law, or if you broke the law, you, were, you, you, you reap the consequences of the breach of the law. But in the covenant of grace, when Jesus came and took our sins in his body on the cross and died for us, and he met the requirements of the law, then he conveyed to us what we didn't earn. He gave us what we didn't deserve. He, he bought us with his blood when we didn't deserve anything but an eternity away from God. It was the grace of God. It's this covenant of grace, this covenant of grace. The Spirit would come upon individuals in the old covenant, but he would lift. He would come for a purpose, and then he would lift. But look, this, is, this is Matthew 11, verse 11. John the Baptist is being spoken of, the last of the Old Testament prophets, in a sense, Verse 11, Jesus speaking, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus would say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. the the access to the presence of God in this life on this earth through Jesus is what Jesus came to bring. Here he's saying that even though John the Baptist was a great man, the the privileges, the, 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 the position of someone who is in the kingdom of heaven through the grace of God is infinitely far above in the sense of their possessions, in the sense of what is given to them, in the sense of heaven being open to them, than even John the Baptist, the greatest of the old covenant lives. So what do you say? What, what I'm saying is this. Stop thinking. Stop putting it, put, 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 moving it away. Well, that was David. Or that was Elijah. Or that was Samuel. That was Daniel. I'm me. Let me tell you who you are. If you've received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. That you are known by him and loved by him. And and beyond the Spirit just coming upon the prophets in the old covenant for a season in the lifting up, Jesus will say, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And the Apostle Paul would write, and and he would be thrilled about it even though he was writing from prison. I can do all things through the one who is giving me strength, present, active, indicative. He is, and he is continuously, and he is without interruption, and he is without any stopping or cessation. He is giving me the strength that I need. Amen. New covenant. That's who you and I are. So if the Lord spoke to David clearly in the Old Covenant, when Jesus would say, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, that means that where you work, where you live, what your history has been, any and all of the things about you The Lord knows my sheep hear my voice and I know them. It's the word that means existential knowledge, experiential knowledge from from reaction and interaction and observation and participation. I, I, I know them not just like they're some history book figure that I've never seen, but I know them intimately. I know them well. I know them close. I know them because I love them, and I want to be involved in their lives. My sheep hear my voice, and I know my sheep, and my sheep will follow me. All this stomping and all this hollering is about just daring you, my brother, my sister, here and out wherever you are, To inquire of the Lord about everything that matters to you. Okay, and I got to tell you, sir, this, you know, David is inquiring of the Lord about Philistines. About two or three days ago, I was out in the country, and I needed to unhook a trailer from a receiver hitch joint on another vehicle. And I, I got the trailer unhooked, but I needed to get the, get the receiver hitch cleared out. So, so I took the receiver hitch pin and the clip. I took that off, and I set it on the back of a tailgate. And I have got the trailer out of the way, and I said to myself, "Self, don't forget about that pin and that clip. Don't forget about it. You know how you talk to yourself? You older older people, we're good at that. We talk to ourselves. But you know what happened? I just slapped, forgot about it. Just got distracted thinking about something else, and I get in that vehicle that has the pin and the clip on the back of the tailgate, and I just drove off. I get about 200 yards, and my old brain kicked in. You didn't ever pick up the pen and the clip, so I get out and I go back there, and I get to looking around on the back of that the, 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 the back of the vehicle, and I found the pen, but the clip had escaped me. The clip, the clip had run off somewhere, and just just like that, I was thinking to myself, "What an idiot you are." You, 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 you talk, you, ta- and then I just was uh, just, said, Lord, you know, Lord, I'm sorry, but, but Lord, where is that thing? Where is that clip? Now, you know, it's not going to cost you 75 cents to buy a replacement clip, but it was the point of the thing that I did the very thing that I didn't want to do. And, 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 and just, I just forgot. So I asked him. David's inquiring of the Lord about Philistines. I'm inquiring of the Lord about a a clip. And you know what I felt like he said to my heart? The heavens didn't part and the birds didn't stop singing and it wasn't written across the sky. But dad, somewhere down deep in here, I felt like he just said to my heart, not far, not far, not far. Well, so I stopped and I went back over there and I surveyed the area and I picked out a boundary for not far. And I started searching and looking around, looking close. There's gravel down and, and, and I didn't find a thing. I didn't find a thing. He, he didn't say five steps over to the south and six steps over to the east and underneath that, that pear bush, you're going to find your clip. He, he didn't say anything. He just said, just not far. Well, I looked and gave up looking. It was, The sun's going down. The next morning I wake up. The sun is angling. It hadn't, hadn't been up long. And I'm out there on that same gravel stretch. And I was remembering that I felt like he said not far. So I'm standing there. And I look. And I look over to my left. And there the clip was gleaming in the morning sun. And I want you to know it wasn't far from where it had fallen off, the back end of that vehicle. Now, you say, well, Pastor, that's the corniest thing I ever heard of. That's no big deal. You are right. You are right. That is no big deal to you, but that's a big deal to me because here's what I can tell you. If he can talk to me about a, about a, a, a clip, he can talk to me about some other things and some bigger things. If I'm hearing his voice about the little stuff, I'll hear his voice about the bigger stuff. Amen. 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 He cares about the even down, even down to a receiver, hitch, pin, and clip. So, what is it in your life this morning that is worrying you? What is it in your life this morning that you're not sure what to do next? What is it in your life this morning that you're concerned about people who would oppose you or people who are at odds with you? Have you inquired of the Lord? That's a big fancy word. Have you asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? If if there is something that he wants you to do, in order for you to be in agreement with him for the heavens to part and the power to fall, you're going to need to know what it is that he wants to do. And once you do know that, once you do know that, there comes to be a settledness, a settledness in your heart that it may not happen immediately. It may take some time. It may even look like things get worse before there's a breakthrough. But you know and you know that the shepherd has spoken to his sheep. And it's not a matter of if. It is just a matter of when. Okay, I want to I shift this just a little bit, but, but I, I want you to find in your copy of the scripture, the book of James. The book of James, James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse 5. Now stay with me, stay with me. James chapter 2 verse 5. Here, here's what James says. Listen, my beloved brethren, Did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promises to those who love him? Rich in faith. Now remember what the word faith in the Bible means. It means those things or that one thing, whatever it would be, if you say you have faith in something, it means that it is something that you have been persuaded of is true. Something that the Spirit of the Lord has convinced you is true. So the Lord, he says, the Lord has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith, to be rich in in what they have been persuaded by the Lord is true. Rich in the amount of things. Rich in the kind of things that they have been persuaded of, convinced of, by the word of the Lord to their hearts. They have faced great needs, they have faced extended seasons of not being able to on their own provide for themselves or the needs of their family. But they have seen and they have seen again and they've seen one more time the faithfulness, the faithfulness of the God who has persuaded them, you can trust me, you can trust me. Now, in between the two services, man, I'm out. I'm in difficult territory right here trying to navigate this phone, but i got to read this to you. This is in between the two services. Just a few minutes ago, a lady from another city wrote Facebook, 25 years ago today, my husband was taken to heaven. I had four girls to raise, and as a single stay-at-home mom, oh, the stories of God's faithfulness and provision. God provided for my girls to attend a, a, a private Christian school. He provided for that. I've prayed for God to help me find my keys. I've prayed for God to help me fix my car and plumbing, pay my bills, Christmas for my my girls, and the list goes on. He is faithful. He, he, he He is faithful. He answers and he speaks. He is our provider, and he is the father of the fatherless. Folks, listen. The Lord can see two people coming at him. One of them may be dressed in out-of-style clothes, may may, may have shoes that are well-worn, may just look very common, very ordinary. But around that one coming toward the Lord, there is a massive persona. Because that one who is poor in this world is rich Rich, rich in faith. The things that that one has walked through and seen God handle, seen God fight through, seen God provide, seen God make a way through the years of their lives, stricken in poverty perhaps. But the Lord knows everything down here is just temporary anyway. The only time in all of eternity you and I are going to learn how to trust God is right now. In heaven, our faith becomes sight. Amen? We see everything that we've been trusting him for. Here comes another person, the, 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 one, the one poor in the world's goods, but rich in faith. God recognizes. God sees. But then here comes somebody else strutting their stuff down the sidewalk got bling hanging off of everywhere just barking orders and and strutting around and and everybody's supposed to be impressed because there's some hot shot and when the lord looks at him he hears all the bluster but he's looking hard to find a speck of faith because they haven't had to trust the lord for the payment of any bills that they haven't had to trust God to protect them through a nighttime when opposition was at the door. That their, their, faith, their faith is virtually non-existent. And so that everything that they have as a part of their possession when they die and they're carried out to Sunset Memorial. Every bit of it stays here and nothing has been transferred to glory. A man who has won the whole world. Gained the whole world, but has lost the soul. Folks, listen. From heaven's perspective, there is no small, there is no little challenge when he meets you there and he brings you there that is inconsequential in the heart of the Lord. He's drawing you to know him. He's drawing you to trust him so that it can literally be said, when all I have is Jesus, I know he's all I need. Now, you can't say that if you've just been reading books about that. You can say that, stand up on a pew and declare it when you've walked through it. So so what about rich people? What what about folks who have funds in the church? You know, and, and really, compared to the rest of the world, the vast majority of American Christians are rich. Because in so many places around the world, there's not water. There's not safe food. There, there's, not a, there's not a government that, that would protect them if, if something came against them because of their faith, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we have to see ourselves in this. Here, here was the instruction. And, and, and it, it isn't, it isn't that, that, that being wealthy in this life is a curse for you spiritually. It, 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 the, the point is, the point is not for the stuff to have you. You can have stuff, but the stuff just isn't supposed to own you. And here's how Paul addresses this, led by the Spirit. This is in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. He writes to Timothy, giving instruction as to how to deal with various groups in the churches. So this is not this is not a blatant charge of those outside of the faith. These are the ones who know Christ, and they're a part of the family of faith. Instruct those who are rich in the present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. But on God, you fix your hope on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Now, folks, when that drops 18 inches and in you're a person of wealth and you're sitting next to or you're, you know, you're, you're in the same congregation with somebody who doesn't, who doesn't have much, and it's, it, it's obvious they don't have much, but if you're tuned into the things of the Spirit, here's what you know. Here's what you understand. That somebody in the family of faith who doesn't have much probably has more than you do in faith that they're probably wealthier, richer in the things that really count than you are, even though you may not be able to spend all your money. That'd be hard to imagine, spend all your money in a lifetime. When this drops 18 years, we understand how it works. The favor of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, the stated approval and favor of the Lord is upon someone who has had to live a life without but in the process of living the life without, has learned to trust God for every bill payment, has learned to trust the Lord for every time of sickness, for every prescription, for every whatever it would be. And you, on the other hand, hadn't had to worry one second about getting a prescription filled. Hadn't worried one, one minute about utility bill or paying your house note. When, when that's operating the ones who have to trust the Lord the most can be growing the most and those who don't, aren't stretched don't have to, they can have the most struggle with spiritual growth. So here's what Paul says here's what he says, here's what you do you tell them not to be conceited you tell folks with money not to put their hope in the uncertainty of riches but to put their hope on, on God but then he says in verse 18 you instruct them, instruct the wealthy to do good. Don't just sit there and gloat Be fat and sassy and feel like you're entitled to everything. Everybody coming to you. You get busy, get off your high horse and do some good. Just do something. Do some good. Do some good. Be involved. Be engaged. Good means that which is useful, that that which is excellent, that which is beautiful. All of those words tied into that massive agathos, that word, the Greek word for for good. You, You tell them to do good. And then he says, you tell them to be rich in good works, and you tell them to be generous and ready to share. You tell them to be generous and ready to share. Folks say, well, people are always after my money. People are always after my money. Well, but sir, have you ever, ever dawned on you why the Lord gave you so much money? It's so you would be generous. Well, I don't know. It's my money. Okay, okay, it's your money, is it? It's your money then let's just say, Lord, he says it's his money. He needs a little conviction. He needs a little, somebody needs to convince him that without you involved, he's nothing. If the Lord withdrew his ability for your lungs to suck air and process oxygen, if if he withdrew his protection over your children, if he did all of those things that somehow we can think we're just entitled to, we are not entitled to anything. We have what we have from him by his grace, by his mercy. So here's what Paul says. You tell them not to be conceited, being looking down, well, if they just manage their money better, if they just did better, if they just do like I can tell them about how to run their life. Stop that. Quit that. Understand, you're probably weak in faith, and they're probably great big in faith. They could tell you some things about how to live your life instead of the other way around. But then he says, you tell them to be generous. I sat in a meeting a few years ago with a very wealthy man, a small group of others sitting there, and, and there were some other ministries involved in, the, and, and, and in San Antonio and a, and a dear brother in the Lord. He's a, a friend and a dear brother in the Lord. And here's what he said. He said, I just want you all to know that it can be a burden to have money. It can be a burden to be blessed with resources. And he said, here's why. Because when a need is, a request is made, a need is presented, I can't honestly say I can't afford it because I can't afford it. But here's what he said. What that makes me do is get on my knees before my Father, before my Savior, and say over each request that comes to me, Lord, Lord what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want? I need to hear your voice. Do you see how that's the great equalizer? So Some of us, it, it's because we don't have it that we have to go to trust the Lord. On the other side, it, it's that we have it and we need to ask the Lord how to spend it, how to use it, where does it need to go? But it's always going to be the same. It, it works that way unleashing heaven's might is so often tied directly to the place of agreement, the power of agreement, that the Lord has spoken something to me. He's convinced me that's what he, that's what he wants me to believe and trust him for. I embrace it and I act on it. But there could be many listening today and you and you just think, well, I, I don't know that I've ever heard anything. I don't know if I've ever heard the Lord speak. Well, here, here's the big one. Here's the big question. Have you ever asked him? Nobody in here is going to say I don't have challenges. Nobody's going to be able to say I don't, I don't have needs. I don't have mountains of opposition in certain ways. Well, I just hadn't heard God speak. Well, what if? What if it's because we've got to stop, pull up to a table, just start laying out on the table all of the things that matter to us, that we can't fix, that we don't know what to do, that, that, that we're not sure what the direction of our lives are supposed to be. Is there a change coming? Or we just stay here to lay it all. And nobody can do this for you. It's you and Jesus. And then just ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Stay or run? Stand and wait? Or something completely different? I want to give you one last verse to chew on as we, as we, we leave. This is in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, and um, as we read this, some, some of you may just be thinking, well, those are verses I can't even relate to. I don't, have, I don't know what in the world Jesus was talking about. Well, let's read them anyway, <laughs> okay? This is, this is Mark chapter 11, and this is verse 22. And Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. Let that which you have been convinced of or persuaded about with regard to God, you let that work in you. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they shall be granted you. Now, can we go back up and look at the word believe again in these words of Jesus? Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. What is the meaning of belief? What is the meaning of faith in the Bible? It means something that I have been persuaded is true. Something that the Lord, by His Spirit, working on my heart, has convinced me is true. How? Because some way, somehow, He has spoken that to me. Faith comes by hearing. Being persuaded comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. Jesus sets this up in a most impossible setting. You, you, would, you would think if a mountain is going to be moved, he, he, would, he, he would be talking about bulldozers and dynamite and excavators. But it's something humanly impossible. Something so massive on the landscape of a person's life that you've lived all the days of your life in the shadow of that mountain. That, that it would be as if everything seemed to change If that mountain was picked up and cast into the sea. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter how heavy the mountain is. It doesn't matter how long the mountain's been there. It doesn't matter what the garrisons of enemy troops are that are positioned all over that mountain. When there has come to be a sense in your heart that the Lord has said, I'm moving the mountain. And you embrace what he has said. And you act on what he has said, in this case, by speaking to the mountain. It will be given to him. It will be done as has been spoken. Now here's where we're going with this, folks. There's some of you that have mountains of opposition, mountains of impossibility, mountains of whatever it is, it's a mountain. It's humanly impossible. It's too big for one person or a whole lot of people to move. Inquire of the Lord about the mountain. Instead of just staring at the mountain and saying, I'm doomed to live in the shadow of this mountain, or this this is an impossible situation, and then staring at yourself and, and having one pity party after another pity party. It's so awful. It's so sad. It's so hard. This is so impossible. You're not going to be persuaded of anything other than more hopelessness in that kind of configuration. But here's what he's saying. There's the mountain. Ask the Lord what his will is with regard to the mountain. Lord, what do you want me to believe you for? What do you want to do? Anything he speaks that has to do with the mountain being moved is impossible. If you don't have room in your concept of God, your vision of God, to think that he he always speaks what makes sense to me, he always is going to just do what, what is going to make me feel comfortable, then you're just wasting your time. Because most of the time when the Lord speaks, he speaks because human wisdom and human reason has come up short and can't get it. So he speaks what his heart is. And the might of heaven, the might of heaven, the might of heaven waits for his final release. And when he finds somebody in the shadow of that mountain who refuses to budge from the place of believing that what God has said, God is going to do, then in the timing of the Lord, the mountain will be thrown into the midst of the sea. It won't be just because you went around looking for this mountain and that mountain and said, I don't like that one, I don't like that one. This isn't a capricious thing. This is something between you and the Lord, you have come to be persuaded. You have come to be convinced that he wants the mountain gone. He wants the opposition broken. He wants the new day to dawn without the mountain shadowing everything in its reach. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'm saying to husbands, nobody can do this for you. Don't dispatch your wife to do the praying for the family. Man up. Man up, sir. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Ladies, moms, godly sisters in Christ, whatever the category is, heavy on your heart. It may be a dream. It may be a longing. Listen, the the longing of of, of what the Lord wants to do with your life and the mountains in the way, And, and, and the Lord will need to move the mountain in order for your destiny to be fulfilled. He's up to it. You don't have to sell your soul. To everything else, in order to get there, Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to I want you to attack head on. Go go for the listings. You, you 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 draw your swords. You 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 bend your bow. You you go straight on. Well, that worked, Lord. Good, thanks. Uh oh, here they are again. Lord, now what do I do? This time you don't go straight up. This time you circle around the back and you wait there. You hunker down. You hide in a brush until you hear the sound in the tops of the bushes. And that's going to be the sign to you that the army of the Lord is going out before you. And then you charge. He doesn't, Not every size is going to fit everybody. He, 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 he's not going to do necessarily in your life what he's doing with others. But he wants, because he's going to want you to know that he loves you. You matter to him. And if you're his sheep, he'll speak to you, and you've got the equipment to hear him. Some of you are wondering, when am I going to be able to get out of, out of this sequestering, this, this isolation? When, when, do, when I get to come back to church? When do I get to move? Well, you, you, can, you can stare at the news channels all day long, right? And you read all the, all the, the stuff online and, and still be left confused. Ask him. Ask him. And he may say, I'll tell you, you, just relax. Or he may say, it's safe, you can go. But instead of having, to, having a committee, he loves you. If, if, if there wasn't anybody else but you, he loves you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Amen? So don't 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 just be trying this on the big stuff. You, 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 need, you need to lose a clip that's supposed to go on a pen. And when you can't find it and you don't know what happened to it, instead of beating yourself up like I spent plenty of time doing, what an idiot. Why did I did the very thing I told myself I wouldn't do, even though it was stupidity or, you know, of, of, of sorts. It was, you know, it's just a brain dead. The Lord didn't check out on that. He knows and He helps. You know, I think the reason He didn't tell me it's three steps over and two steps that way is because He wanted to do two things. He wanted, number one, me to know that He, he would help me. <laughs> and then, number two, He wanted me to worry with it a little bit so I would, I'd, I'd, I'd pay more attention next time. You know? I guarantee you, I got a whole new lease on life when I see one of those little clips and I see one of those pins. How easy they can be lost, how quick they can get away from you, but even a clip matters to him because I matter to him. You matter to him. Before we go, before we go, you hear all of this and it just, it, it sounds good and it. Sounds like you, you, you would, you, you'd want to know that, that the Lord can speak to you, that, 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 you would, that, that God would care enough about you. Here's, here's the bottom line question. Have you opened your heart up to Jesus? I'm not saying religion, I'm not saying a denomination, saying Jesus. Scripture says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus knocking at the door of a heart. If any man hears my voice, opens the door, the door to your heart, the doorknobs on the inside. He waits for an invitation. He doesn't expect that we're going to know everything we need to know immediately, right off the bat, that we're we're full-orbed in our understanding of who he is and that our faith is complete. Not that. He says, If you'll open the door. I'll come in. It all starts there. It all starts there. Wherever you are this morning, if you're in your home, you're out somewhere, you, you wherever you may be, I want to just encourage you. Turn that doorknob on the inside of the door of your heart, and open that door. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. You see, and this, this is where it's different. He doesn't come in with handcuffs and shackles and a ball and chain to keep you from doing this, that, or the other. That, that's what religion does. It gives us all kinds of rules and, and presses us into all kinds of standards that we, we feel guilty because we hadn't kept. Here's the difference. Jesus comes in. And his presence within you begins to change your want to. So that the things that have been hurting you, the things that have been robbing from you, the things that have been breaking you, because choices that you've made, thinking I can't live without those things or that person or this other setting, some way he just begins to work within your heart to relax the pressure toward all of that, the grip of all of that on your soul. We call it, he changes our want to, so that our want to begins to want the things that are life, the things that are freedom, instead of having to cling to, hold to the things that we thought, that was my life, but when I look at it, those things are killing me. Now The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus comes to set captives free, not to make them more captives. Open your heart. Open your heart. Doorknobs on the inside. Jesus, come into my heart. Lord, thank you for this time together today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the strong, clear instruction from your scripture that you will speak to us. You want to speak to us. Your heart is for us and that you desire to unleash the might of heaven in our behalf when we are found standing in your behalf on this earth and in our lives. Lord, I pray hope, 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 encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. Throughout the body of Christ, the brothers and sisters who are part of this streaming family, Lord, hope that makes no sense, freedom that makes no sense, joy that makes no sense that will come straight from your heart, filling us, filling us. That is our prayer in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and all the Lord's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of our Alamo City streaming family today. Amen.